Let me see if I can catch you up on where we are and what God has been speaking to us uh, on these Sunday mornings. I began this series entitled, With All My Heart, because God put that phrase on my heart one day when I was driving home from church one Wednesday night, and then again the next Thursday morning driving back here. Uh, that that uh, word, that phrase just came to me, with all my heart, and I began to look at the scriptures, and I found that uh, that phrase is repeated many times throughout the scriptures, and it's usually connected to seven different things. And I know we're only on number two, and y'all are wondering, how we, are we ever going to finish? Now, I know y'all have had you know, discussions about that over lunch, and, but uh, if, if this is something that uh, God wants us to do with all of our heart, it takes some time to think about and see what the Bible says. So uh, God wants us to be people who are fully devoted and loyal to him with all of our heart. And we find commands in Scripture that's connected to that phrase. And so we're considering... As we're looking forward to 2020, uh, what does God want us to be? The kind of people that God wants us to be. Before we start thinking about doing, what does God want us to be? He wants us to be a people devoted to him with all of our hearts. And our hearts are the core of our being. It's what drives and motivates us and operates our will. It's where commitment comes from. The heart is where trust and love and devotion and loyalty come from. And that's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.23 to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. What was our first goal that God says he wants us to do with all of our heart? What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's our goal. And we looked at some strategies. We looked at some action plans to help us to do that. And I hope you can review those from time to time. Now, the second thing that we're looking at that God wants us to do with all of our heart is what? Seek the Lord with all of your heart. And our first strategy we looked at a few weeks ago was how do we do that? We have, it begins with acknowledging that God is sovereign. He is over all, rules over all. And then last week we talked about the second strategy, and that is if we're going to seek God with all of our heart, we've got to learn to what? Listen to God. Listen to God. One of the most important lessons we can ever learn is how to listen to God. You remember the heart cry of God? He repeats it several times in the scriptures. He says, oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Listen to Jeremiah Chapter 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jeremiah says, and he admits that he knows that he cannot fly by the seat of his pants. But I wonder how many believers are flying by the seat of their pants. They're just doing what seems to come natural, what seems to be right. You remember what the Bible says? There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are what? The ways of death. Just because it seems right to you doesn't mean it is right. That's why we need to seek God with all of our heart. We need to learn to listen to God. Because it's not in us to direct our own cor don't, the course of our life. God didn't give us that. It would be like what Jesus said to the Pharisees 
He said about the Pharisees, you're like the blind leading the blind. And what happens if the blind lead the blind? Do you remember what Jesus said would happen? They'd both fall in the ditch. And I wonder if that's not what's happening, maybe even with pastors and, and church people, is that the blind are leading the blind, that, that people, the people of God aren't looking to God. They're not seeking God. They're not listening to God. They're not looking at his word to find out what God says and how to do things. And we're like the blind leading the blind, and we're falling in the ditch. Our lives are like in the ditch, economically, financially, morally, spiritually. Our families are, are ruined and wrecked because we're not listening to God. What was the first action plan we looked at last week as we talked about listening to God? How do we listen to God? What's the primary way you think it is to listen to God? It's right there in your hand. Read the Bible. And so I, we made a covenant last week together, didn't we? And uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you followed through on that covenant? That you read your Bible more this week than you had in weeks previous? And I ask you again to remember that covenant. The Holy Spirit's going to bring that back to your mind, that you made that covenant with him as Josiah led the people of God in his day to make that covenant. We made that covenant before God last Sunday, and it still stands. But I want to share with you the second action plan of how we can listen to God, and that is to rely on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. One Writer says, the scripture tells us that the only guide worth trusting is the Holy Spirit. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We, I mentioned this briefly last week. But look at John 14, verse 26. Jesus introduced his disciples to the Holy Spirit and his ministry. And the word that Jesus used for him in this verse is the helper. John, 4, John uh, 15, 26, I'm sorry. Or am I right? I am right. Well, look at John 15, 26. It says the same thing almost. <laughs> Looking across the page of my Bible. Thank you all for helping me preach. John 14, 26, but the helper, who's the helper? What's he called? The helper. What does that imply? That we need what? Help. How many of you want to start right there and just say, Lord, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. Solomon, the wisest man. That's what he said. He said, Lord, I don't know how to rule this great people. Give me your wisdom and understanding. That's where we need to start with the Holy Spirit is, I don't know. Lord, I don't know. I need help. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, do you remember how we used that verse last week? That the Holy Spirit will remind us of the things we have what? Read in the Word. If you haven't been reading the Word of God, what does the Holy Spirit have to remind you of? Nothing. You've got to have something there. 
You remember I told you last week that when I read the Bible and it, I, feel, I, hear, I hear God speaking to me that I, I hate to close it. I hate to get up from there and move off to my regular scheduled activities because I'm afraid I'll lose it. But I pray and I, I say, Lord, when I need that, please bring it back to my remembrance. And you know he does and he will. But you've got to be in the Bible. You've got to be reading it. So the Holy Spirit, look at chapter... Um, 15, verse 26, since we were there a minute ago. But when the Helper comes, Jesus says, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So who does the Holy Spirit tell us about? Himself or Jesus? Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't testify of himself. Do you all hear that? He testifies of who? Jesus Christ, a spirit-filled church, a spirit-filled believer is going to point people to who? The Holy Spirit or Jesus? Jesus Christ. That's the function in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Point people to Jesus. Chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into what? All truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will tell you things to come. Who will the Holy Spirit glorify in verse 14? Jesus. He will glorify me. Jesus said, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take of mine and declare it to you. So the scripture tells us the the Holy Spirit is, is our guide, our helper. And Jesus repeatedly referred to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. He's like an inner compass. In our lives, always pointing us towards what Jesus would say, what Jesus would do, and what Jesus would be in any given situation. And you know what? As a believer, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've asked him to forgive your sin and save you, you have received the Holy Spirit. He has been given to you. He indwells the believer. So he's there as your resident helper. And only the Holy Spirit knows the Father's plan and the purpose, his purpose for us. But you know, look at, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Or if you just want to listen to what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. You know, I think, before I read this, that sometimes believers, Christians, don't understand. And, and I can't say I fully understand the Holy Spirit. I certainly don't. Nor will I ever. But I think we treat Him. We talk to God and we talk to the Lord Jesus, but we kind of treat the Holy Spirit like a red-headed stepchild, if you pardon the expression. We, we don't know how to relate to him. But you know the Holy Spirit is God. He's the person of the Trinity. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is a person. He's not an it. He is a person of the, of the Godhead. And he's necessary for us as believers to obey the Lord. To follow the Lord. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11... For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? 
Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Who knows the things of God? The Spirit of God. Not the man, not the people of God, the Spirit of God. So if you want to know the things of God, who do you need to go to? The Spirit of God. Not the pastor. Well, I hope I know some things about the ways of God, but I'm not your primary go-to. Not your spouse, not your parents. Yes, those are places you can go to, but not primarily, not ultimately. Who knows the things of God? The Spirit of God. So when we, when we have decisions and, and, and dilemmas that we face, and we want to know the ways of God about what we're to do, how often do we consult the Spirit of God? We consult so-and-so who seems to be an expert in that area, or we may pull our minds and our wisdom and our experience in a committee and say, okay, let's come up with the best case scenario. What can we come up with to accomplish this task or, or solve this problem? But do we stop and seek the Lord and, and rely upon the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us? No man knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but what have we received? We have received the Spirit who is from God. I think it, one of the, the Bible tells us, Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I think one of the things that grieves the Holy Spirit is that he is neglected and ignored in the church. Now, he's not to be exalted. He's not to be worshipped. He's not to be praised. But he is a member of the Godhead. But he, his ministry is to point people to Christ, to remind us of the ways of Christ, that we know how to live and obey him. But sometimes we neglect his role in our lives. We have received the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what? foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You know what that verse is saying? In our natural, our natural inclinations, our natural abilities, our natural tendencies are directly opposed to the ways of God. And when you follow your natural inclinations and your natural human tendencies, we get ourselves in trouble. It's time for God's people to stop Put the brakes on, and by the way, next week, I knew I wouldn't get this far this week, but next week, I'm gonna, this will be the last in the seeking the Lord. I, well, that's what I say. The Lord may say something else. I'm going to tell you what the, the hardest part of seeking the Lord is. So I'm going to save that one for next week. I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you want to know what it is, show up next week. <laughs> but we have to learn, God's people have to learn that... Um, that our natural inclinations, most of the time, if not all the time, are directly opposed to the ways of God. What did we read last week? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God says, my ways are not what? Your ways. My thoughts are not what? Your thoughts. As, my, as the heavens are higher than the earth. How high are the heavens than the earth? Anybody got a measurement for me? Any students, college students, y'all got a measurement for the... The depth, the length, the breadth, the height of the universe? Nobody. God says as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high 
are his ways and thoughts above our ways and thoughts. And you say, well, how in the world then can we know them? Ding, 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 ding. The Holy Spirit. And the Word of God. And by the way, the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will never tell you something that contradicts the Scripture. Never. And if you say the Spirit says this and it contradicts the Word, you're hearing the wrong Spirit. You're hearing the evil Spirit. And it may appear even as an angel of light. The Bible says, Paul says, even the devil can manifest himself as the angel of light. But if it contradicts God's word, it's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will take what Jesus said and remind us of it. He will teach of Christ. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus guided by the Holy Spirit in his daily decisions. And then when you come to the book of Acts, we see God's uh, the first followers of Christ, the apostles and the early Christians, um, learning how to listen to and respond to the Holy Spirit in very profound ways. Let's look at those, a couple of them. Look at Acts chapter 11. So by this time in the, in the Bible history, Christ has been crucified. He's, he's been resurrected. He's now ascended. He has poured out the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 upon uh, the believers. And, uh, and, and then Peter preaches in his language, people hear it in their own language, and 3,000 people get saved. He preaches again a little while later, and 5,000 more people come to know Christ. So the church has exploded. The, the, the following of Christ has exploded now to over 8,000 souls. And so these are learning how to walk in this new way of life. And they remembered the words of Christ about this Holy Spirit. And Jesus even told them, don't even go. He said, I've commissioned you to go into all the world and take my gospel all over the world. He said, but don't go yet. Not yet. Wait. For what? The promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? The Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And those 8,000 people come to know Christ. And the early church is now learning to follow Christ. And learning how to listen to and depend upon the Holy Spirit. And the, you, what you read in the book of Acts is not the acts of the apostles as much as it is the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and the followers of Christ. Who learned to listen to Him. Who learned to follow Him. And we look at that and we go, that would never happen in our church. It could if God's people today learn how to listen to and wait on and follow and obey the promptings and the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, it could. Is he the same God today as he was yesterday? Is he? Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that he can do today what he did then? Do you really believe that? I do. And I believe he's waiting to show himself strong on behalf of the people whose hearts are completely devoted to him and will love him and will seek him with all of their hearts. And by the grace of God, I want to be and I want us to be that kind of people. And so does the Lord. Acts chapter 11 verse 12. The Spirit told Paul, Saul at that time. You remember Saul had this, or, or, I'm sorry, it was Peter, had this vision of the sheep being let down. It was full of all kind of unclean animals. And Peter's recounting this story in Acts chapter 11. And he says in verse 12, Then the Spirit told me to go with them. The men that had come to invite him to Cornelius' house. 
The Spirit told me to go with him, doubting nothing. So that tells us that the Spirit spoke to Peter, right? And Peter, did Peter go? Did Peter obey? How did Peter know it was the Holy Spirit? How would you know if it's the Holy Spirit? I already gave you one clue. It's going to match the Word of God. I gave you another clue a few weeks ago or even last week is that it's, it it's, uh, comes through your relationship. You know, when my wife talks, I recognize her voice right away. She can, I can hear her laugh from three miles away. And I know that's my wife. How do I know that? I've lived with her for 31 years. I recognize her voice. I recognize her laugh, her sneeze, her everything. I recognize it because I've been in relationship with her. How are you going to recognize the Holy Spirit? You're not if you're not in the Word. You're not if you're not walking with the Lord. It comes out of that daily, one-on-one relationship with God. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 the church, verse 1, that started in Antioch, there, there certain says prophets and teachers, and he gave some names of them. And then verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the Spirit of God is now speaking to the church of God, saying, I want you to set apart these two men for my special mission service. Barnabas and Saul. So now we have an individual, Peter, hearing from that. And now we have the church hearing from the Holy Spirit of God. And then in chapter 16 and verse 6, we have Paul on his mission team. One of his journeys says, When they had gone, chapter 16, verse 6, When they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Wow, now that just, contra- to me, that just doesn't make sense that the Holy Spirit's going to stop me from preaching somewhere, preaching the gospel somewhere. Would you think that, that if I desired to go somewhere and preach the gospel, that that would be God's will? Yes, my human inclination says, yes, it would be God's will for me to go anywhere in the world and preach the gospel, but not according to this passage of Scripture. This passage of Scripture says that the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there to preach the gospel. So what did that mean? That meant that he wanted them to do what? He had somewhere else for them to go. So you see, even when it makes sense to us, even when it seems right and good and even godly, the Holy Spirit is the one we need to be listening to. And it takes a keen heart, fully devoted Understand that. It's not a magic formula. It's a relationship. Believers in the early church relied on the Holy Spirit to give them this kind of specific guidance. And believers in the modern church, we need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit for this kind of specific guidance. The Holy Spirit is very specific. We think it's just general. And like for when we have meetings, those committees, deacons, staff, we need to be Seeking specific guidance. Lord God, what do you have to say about this issue? And we wait until he speaks to all of us. 
But no, we want to microwave God's work. Some of you are going to have leftovers for lunch. Bet you don't eat them cold. You know why you have leftovers? Or are you going to go out to eat? You know why you're going out to eat or having leftovers? Because you're going to be starving by the time I let you out of here. <laughs> and you don't want to wait to eat. So you're going to microwave. You're not going to cook. You're going to get home and microwave that stuff and zap it, get it hot real quick. Or you're going to go out to eat somewhere where it's already cooked for you. See, that's how we try to do with God. We have an issue, a problem, a dilemma, a decision, and we want to microwave it. Stick it in the microwave. God, give us an answer now. And if you, we don't hear from you in, in the next uh, 20 minutes before our meeting's over, we're going to make the decision that we think is best. And we wreck and we miss the best God has for us. I want to close with this in Galatians chapter 5. I know you're freaked out. It's 1148 and I'm thinking about closing. Amen. Leave it to my brother to amen that. <laughs> Acts, I'm sorry, Galatians 5, 16. I'm going to read several verses there. By the way, before I read that, listen to Ephesians 5, 18. He says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there is an analogy in that passage of Scripture. Just as wine, a drunk, is controlled by the influence of alcohol and does things that he would not normally do and says things he would not normally say out of character... To his detriment and which is evil. Paul is using a negative analogy to compare something of spiritual good and right. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be controlled by anything else, but be controlled by, be filled by what? Or who? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you... you He's leading you to do things you wouldn't normally in your own fleshly mind think to do. You're, you find yourself saying things that you wouldn't normally say. You find a boldness that you don't normally have. Like a drunk loses all inhibitions many times. When we're filled with the Spirit, we're not inhibited by our fears, our worries. Our, we're not inhibited by the fear of man or, or uh, our own natural inclinations. But listen to Galatians 5, 16, or follow along with me in your Bible. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you want. You see, we're going to be, it's, as a believer, it still will be, it still will be, even though you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it still will be a struggle for you, as it is for me, to walk in the Spirit instead of the flesh. Listen, it's so much easier to do it my way. I think it is, but it doesn't end up good. Let me go back to that scripture. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Is that good? Is that right? Is that, that's not the best way. But it seems easier at the front side to easier, safer, logical. We're going to have this constant struggle as followers of Christ. 
between the spirit and the flesh. But you've heard this analogy, you've heard this illustration before. They're the spirit of God within us and our flesh are like two hound dogs or two pit bulls fighting one another. And we feel that constant struggle. I know you feel it. I feel it daily. And this preacher said, which one's going to win? Which pit bull is going to win, the spirit or the flesh? And you know what the answer is? The one you feed the most. The one you give the most attention to. The one you nurture the most. The one you coddle the most. But we're so accustomed to feeding and nurturing and coddling the flesh that when we're tempted, we don't even know that we're, being, we're falling into sin because we've dulled our spiritual senses so much that we can't even hear the Holy Spirit hardly anymore. That's why I'm asking us, and, and I know this isn't true for everybody here. I know many of you are walking in the Spirit. I praise God for that. But we need to ask the Lord to help us to, in this struggle against the flesh, to listen to the Spirit. Now look, he says in verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Now look at another phrase he uses in verse 18. But if you are, what? Led by the Spirit. So I can walk in the Spirit. That means the Spirit is in me and I am in the Spirit and I'm walking with Him. He's walking with me just like in my relationship with Christ. But I also can be led. That, it, that implies that He's going before me. He sees further down the road. He knows more than I know. And I can follow Him. I'm, I'm being led by the Spirit. Walking with Him, walking in Him, but being led by Him as well. He says, if you're led by the Spirit... And then he says, if you would look at verse uh, 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Do you know that if you're a believer, if you truly are born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and you live in Him? That's a given. He's not going to move out. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our seal of guarantee. That means you will be delivered to heaven one day because the Holy Spirit has sealed you. It's much like, much like you put a stamp on an envelope to mail it. That's the government's guarantee it's going to get there. It may take more long, longer than you think it ought to take, but that's the government's guarantee it's going to get there. Well, I don't always trust the government. The government always, doesn't always deliver on its promises, but the Holy Spirit, God does. He's, he's signed his name to our lives. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit a promise, and one day we're going to be delivered. Signed, sealed, and delivered. And so the Holy Spirit cannot move out. You live in the Spirit. Not, the question is not do you live in the Spirit or the Spirit lives in you as a believer. The question is are you being led by the Spirit and are you walking in the Spirit and His power and His wisdom? Are you trusting Him? Are you listening to Him? Are you giving Him opportunity? That's the question. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? He dwells in you, but are you, is He... Is his power, his wisdom being used in your life? Last week I led us to make a covenant to the Lord to read his word. If you weren't here last week, I would invite you to make that same covenant. We just asked the Lord to uh, help us and remind us. And we made a commitment. We said, Lord, I will read your word every day. 
But I also want to ask you today, would you also ask the Lord this? If you're a believer, acknowledge, say to him, Lord, thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. You may have to, the second thing you may have to say is, I am so sorry that I've ignored you, Holy Spirit. That I don't wait for you, that I don't listen, that I rush. That I, I, don't, I haven't even considered you in, in a long time. I've grieved you. And then would you ask him, would you fill me? Now he lives here, but the filling means to be controlled by. Remember, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. To be controlled by, to be led by. Would you fill me afresh and anew this morning with your Holy Spirit? And would you remind me tomorrow morning when I wake up to seek you, to ask for your leadership and your guidance? Would you remind me Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning? Would you do that? With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, would you talk to the Holy Spirit? I'm talking to believers this morning, followers of Jesus, those who've been saved. Just spend some time talking to him this morning. He's listening.